and welcome to another exciting Cat's Cradle, the show within a show where we talk about games, game design, and games. I'm your host, Cat, the baby in the cradle. Where, where? My babysitters today are Nick. Hello. And Kathleen. Hi there. Would either of you like to rattle some keys for me, please? Uh, are you the baby? Yeah. I guess you are. I always, for some reason, I always think it's Kirsten, but I think Kirsten's actually. Oh, no, Kirsten's older than me. Yeah. She's just smaller than me. <laughs> Kirsten just acts. Well, Kirsten acts like she's stuck in the 80s, which. <laughs> I mean, that's trendy again, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it obfuscates her age. I also assume, like, everybody is just much younger than me because I'm usually the old, I'm usually the old one. That's because Kirsten always acts extremely young, and my dude, you act extremely old. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so this week on Cat's Cradle, I would like to talk to you about a bee that I've been eating lately, which is system resource documents or SRDs. You may have encountered these if you're into game design or if you're really into TTRPGs. They're basically a blank game that you can project your own story, lore, and individual mechanics on. A really good example of this is Powered by the Apocalypse games all have the same base game. Blades in the Dark, Forged in the Dark games come from that one mother game, if you will. And there were tons of games based off of Dungeon Dragon with the D20 system back in the 2000s, early 2010s. Absolutely there were. When D&D does an SRD, it's for player reference, not for hacking. But when they released a lot of their material with the open gaming license, that became a big hackable system that people made all kinds of wonderful and bizarre nonsense out of. Including, but not limited, to Testament D20, which was about Bible times. (laughs) Could you, like, (laughs) get Jesus powers for real in the game? No, it's Old Testament Bible times. Oh, well, does that mean that you can, like, slay a thousand soldiers with the jawbone of an ass? No, it mostly means you can be a Babylonian and have a ziggurat. Oh. Ah. Uh, Ziggurats are still pretty cool, though, so I'm, I'm down for this. <laughs> yeah, they're still pretty cool. <laughs> There's nothing to shake a stick at or the jawbone of an ass at. And the reason these are a particular bee in my bonnet lately, in my gullet, is that, um, well, I'm an indie TTRPG designer. SRDs are a useful scaffold on which you can design your game. I recently made a game using the Lumen SRD by Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs. Gila RPGs? It's named after the monster, so I think it's Gila. Anyway, Lumen is fast-paced, combat only. It's based on, like, looter shooters, and it's just meant to be high-octane shoot-em-up wild-ass action. And so I made Blazing Him, which is my love letter to uh, Symphogear, an anime for perverts that I adore. And Ava, an anime for tortured teenagers that I adore. A lot of people have made Lumen games, ranging from Monster Guts, which is just this really (laughs) brutal-life monster hunter game based in Lumen that I love. Our Farm is the Battlefield, uh aggressively anti-capitalist game about using farming golems as mechs. Very cool, very good, very powerful. And I 
I also made an SRD of my own, the Carta SRD, which some of you might know. It's on the Peach Garden Games website. And it's made for single-player games about exploring a place. And I ran the Carta Jam and was just flooded with thoughtful and interesting and beautiful single-player RPGs based on the system I've made. And it made me smile. It made me unfathomably happy, every single one of them. Of a special note might be uh, Walk and Wag, which was by our podcast twinsy Dorka from the Eternity Archives about walking your dog. And Theme Park After Dark, also by a member of the Eternity Archives cast, Ziva, which is about, well, going back into a theme park after dark. It very much shows their interests. And that was what was beautiful to me about Carta Games was that people were pretty much free to be whatever kind of nerd they are. And they showed me what kind of nerds they were, and it was amazing. If we talk about Carta Games, we can probably just fill up an entire episode of Cat's Cradle, like, gushing about them. My favorite is probably running with a mouthful of toast. Ooh, that one is so cute. For all you anime fans out there. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Corvin wrote a game about, like, you starting off the day, you're late to school, and then just... That's rules for mech combat. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. My actual favorite is The Land and Its People, mm-hmm. which is about traveling an area that is soon to be destroyed and mapping it as best you can and gathering stories from the people who live there. It is just gorgeous. But we're not here to talk about Carta games because as Kathleen said, I could do it all day and I, I will. That's a threat. We're here to talk about the root of Carta games, the Carta SRD and SRDs in general, because I have decided to do a heroic corridor SRD. I'm referring to it as Harmony Drive, and I'm putting together the blank rules of heroic chord so that people can make their own heroic chord hacks. Listener, if I get even one heroic chord hack from an internet stranger, I'll weep. I'll weep on Mike, you'll hear it. It won't be dignified. It's true, they're not lying. Yeah, it'll happen. So, I would like to now stop talking and listen to the words of my beautiful babysitters because one of them is currently working on a heroic chord hack and one of them did one before it was cool. Way back in the day, thousands of years ago in the future, before Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Okay, that sounds like Nick is volunteering. Nick, please tell the listeners about Jam. Please tell them everything about Jam. So, yeah, way, way back in the day, I had a little game called Jam because I couldn't think of anything else, which was a uh, wuxia jazz fusion where you played as weird creatures from an earth where humanity had reached enlightenment and left. And all that was left were the sort of like enlightened critters and other strange animals and beings who lived in a world full of jazz radio. Cause I like jazz radio. Yeah. And I like Kung Fu movies. And it was basically that like, that is my cozy setting. <laughs> if you listen to the world building episode of Cat's Cradle, you'll remember that we referred to Nick as being shamelessly self-serving in his world building. This is what we mean. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I I really wanted to use the 
I guess, alpha version one or point one heroic chord, whatever it was back then, largely because of a couple of things. One, the facet system. I still really like the facet system. And two, the magic system. Like those were the two things where I was just like, these are really cool. I think these would go really well, you know, in a wuxia setting, because at that point, like, it was just like, hey, you know what you could probably get a really good mimic on with the way that the magic system worked is was like secret techniques. Mm. Uh. That was the first sort of aha moment. It was just like, hey, a lot of the magic spells, if you just changed the words around a little bit and maybe, you know, added a... I think there was a little bit more of a restriction on the techniques because they needed to be like verb noun or like you needed to have a noun in there somewhere. Yeah, they were a little more structured than spells in Heroic Court, if I remember right. Yeah, not a ton, not a ton. The structure was, this has to sound like something you would see in kind of like a pulp wuxia or like pulp martial arts kind of deal. I will probably actually go back to it once the actual SRD comes out because I was still a big fan of it, although... It's kind of a toss-up between that and the five-element system that... Ralph Mayenberger? Yeah, or the Ralph Mayenberger's five-element system. But it's also kind of one of those things where if I did go back to it, I would probably, I would definitely want to go talk to some other folks who are a little more, shall we say, um, involved in those kinds of cultures. Because uh, it was very much just sort of like a fun pastiche. But if I ever actually did something where people outside of my immediate friend group could see it, I would want to get, you know, some input to make sure that I wasn't being uh, unfortunate, shall we say. Yeah, that's a good call. I just realized that Blazing Him is not the only SRD I've used because I did use five elements for Sacred Forge. Kind of. I very heavily adapted it, but yes, I did use uh, my good friend Ralph. is a beautiful angel for Sacred Forge which was a, if you haven't played it, it's a solo game about making a magic sword. You can play it in minutes. Go play it. Make a magic sword. It's cool. You should. So moving from past to future then, Kathleen. Yeah, so I am writing a Harmony Drive game right now. Its working title is Cybercord TM. What happened was that Kat mentioned working on an SRD, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And a couple of other texts happened, and at some point, Kat basically started chanting cyberpunk at me specifically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much how that went. <laughs> What's been really fun about working on a Harmony Drive game is that I'm very familiar with the systems already, so like looking at everything and being like, oh... How am I going to tweak these? So one thing that I'm taking a big look at as I'm writing this game are skills, for instance. What types of ways do I want player characters to interact with the world in my game? And while I could be just porting straight over the list from Heroic Chord, I think that we need a few different types of flavor. Like, the first thing that I came up with was, like... I can't imagine a future that is not even more internet than the present is. So one of the cells in CyberCord must, by definition, be posting. It must. Absolutely. Um, what are some of the other skills I've come up with? Gibson hacking, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Gibson hacking. Uh, well, so that's the thing is like how in Heroic Chord, everyone is a little bit of a fighter and a little bit of a priest and a little bit of a mage. Everyone in Cybercord is a little bit of a hacker. Like hacking is not just one thing in the real world either, right? Because half of what gets people's shit stolen is just like social engineering stuff, right? Right. Like there's a whole bunch of ways you can approach that topic and going with Heroic Accord's generally general idea of there are a bunch of ways to approach a topic with the facet system. I figured that like hacking is not something that's just one skill. There's a bunch of ways to slice that pizza. Yeah. I really like that. What I'm most excited for, and I'm not sure whether or not you've done it, so please don't consider this me prompting you if you're not ready, but I'm really excited to see the classes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've written in Harmony Drive that the class is like the lens through which people in your world experience the powers of your world. And I'm really excited to see how that shapes out in Cybercord. I'm stoked for it. Hmm. And also, there's a part of me that really wants to make a Monster Hunter game in Cybercord. <laughs> would, would you do the different classes as the different weapons? I don't know. I don't think I would. Because mm. some I brought up something monster-based, and someone was like, you mean like, like Pokemon or Digimon? And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So I think your class is like the monster that you have a symbiotic relationship with. And the encounters are monsters that you very much don't. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big, huge monsters. Even I've got hack fever. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually curious. What were you thinking of for like class type stuff in Cybercord? So I have four so far. For me, I think that coming up with classes uh, has a lot to do with the assist pool system. I think that that's where a whole ton of a class's flavor comes in. And so the thought process for me was like, what sort of powers exist in this world? What are things that I'm interested in writing about? Like, yeah, sort of the first idea I had for a class is tentatively titled Networker. A networker is something like a social media influencer. They are somebody who knows people and can use other people's talents and abilities to uh, make things happen. They have some sort of fan base or following that they are connected with. Ooh, that's dreamy. Yeah, their assistable is called a parasocial army. Love it. And they have abilities that allow you to crowdsource information or sick your fandom on somebody that you're negotiating with or um, use other people's spell pieces. Oh. I like that very much and can actually, like, think of real-world examples. <laughs> Which uh, is is very... I think what's going to be very troubling about Cybercord is how <laughs> how very, very much of our world we're going to recognize in it. Because that's what's troubling about all good cyberpunk. <laughs> 
reason I started chanting cyberpunk at Kathleen is because if I know anybody on this planet who gets cyberpunk, it's Kathleen. And I can't stand when people who don't get cyberpunk do it. <laughs> I just can't stand it because I'm very passionate about the genre. And I get so mad, listener. <laughs> when everyone's just like, cyber katanas, let's work for the corporation. I'm like, no. What's punk about this, you animals? <laughs> I've got some questions about the SRD. What was it like for you to sort of try to take Heroic Chord apart so that other people could put it together in different ways? Hard. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do a second SRD. Because when I did, <laughs> I do know, actually, because I'm a glutton for punishment. And because, as I've learned, I have a, a brain problem that means I only want to do difficult things. But one of the biggest problems with Carta SRD and with Harmony Drive is writing a blank game. I live to write lore. I live to write flavor text. And writing a game without either of those things in it is a real challenge for me because I don't know how to stitch the mechanics together if I'm not using lore to do it. I don't know where anything goes. <laughs> it's hard for me to know what order to put things in if I'm not using lore as a guideline. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose that's a big question. It's like, where do you start? Hmm. Sort of the key question when an RPG, and we've talked about this all separately, is like, you are giving people scaffolds to tell stories with. Like, how do you grab onto things? Like, for me, uh, pulling out systems like the assist pool or pulling out systems like the skills, like, as a place that I could sort of, like, think, like, okay, I can spitball ideas for that was kind of how I got started on this hack. I think, let's see, I'm just going to boot up this this thing here. We start with what is Harmony Drive? The basics, I start with kind of the philosophical underpinnings of the system and then mm -hmm. move on to the dice and magic mechanics. And that's that's the first chapter. It's called The Basics. Mm -hmm. I might as well talk about these because this is something that I, I feel is very important to this. Harmony Drive games revolve around three ideas. And you'll recognize these if you've been listening to Sword of Symphonies for a while or if you've played Heroic Chord. Self-expression, teamwork, and difficult choices. Heroic Chord and Harmony Drive games in general are built so that players can solve problems any way they like. They can cast any kind of spell they like. They can use their skills in combat without restriction. The game lets them solve problems in their own way without being penalized for it. That's very important to me. I love, love GMing this game because I get to see what people come up with when presented with how would your character do this instead of this is the most effective way your character can do this mathematically. The second one is teamwork. The advantage pool means that players are sharing one big pool of successes in combat. And because of the chord system, which I realize I haven't added to this SRD yet, oops, Players work together. They're encouraged to work together. The mechanics want them to solve problems by thinking as a team. That's very important to me. It's the kind of game I like. 
And finally, difficult choices. Edge successes are at their best when it's a difficult choice. In combat, every time the opponent tries to attack, the party is faced with a difficult choice. When bad things happen to the party in a Harmony Drive game, I want it to be because the party decided that was what they needed at that moment. And so I thought I would lead the SRD up with just the philosophical underpinnings of these three pillars. Because whenever I don't know what to do when I'm designing something for Heroic Chord, I come back to the pillars of Heroic Chord, which are like teamwork, flexibility, and survival are kind of the thematic ones for Heroic Chord itself. And so I shift mechanics between the three of them, but I always end up coming back to philosophical pillars when I don't know what to do with a game. So I thought presenting them up front would give people the opportunity to do the same. And then, of course, you don't know anything about a game unless you know it's dice mechanic. So that's got to be a first. Yeah, resolution mechanic, always good to have, because that's kind of what makes a game a game. Yeah. And then I had spells because... Honestly, I like the spell system in Heroic Chord a lot. A lot of people respond really well to it. I love it. So I wanted to put it up front as a way to signal that this is a load-bearing concept in this game. Then I moved on to Anatomy of a Character, and I'm not 100% sure that was the right second chapter, but it is. And the third chapter is Classes, which is about how to build a class. And then finally, Challenges, which is about the encounter system and the advancement system. And I'm not 100% sure that's where that belongs either. I'll figure it out. I always do. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I have realized while working on this game is how much stuff there is. Heroic mm. Chord is not a heavy crunch game, but... There's still a bunch of stuff. There's, what, 19 skills? 13 skills? There are 19, yeah, because a Heroic Chord character starts in 9, which is slightly under half. Yeah, so there are, like, 19 skills. There are assist abilities. Every class has 12 spell pieces. Every class has several choices at every season for what you can take for a season ability. There's a mess of combat specialties. And making all those decisions is a big chunk of work. And deciding like where I want to go from scratch and what I want to port over from Heroic Accord is a big question. And I think that's the thing with big... Uh, this is a big encounter-based game. It's in the vein of Dungeons & Dragons because those are the kinds of games I like best. I know I've done a lot of really small solo indie games, and I love those, but my heart belongs to big adventure games like Ryutama or Dungeons and & Dragons, and that's what Heroic Court is, and the downside to that is that these games take a lot of work. <laughs> like, it's more work than a Lumen hack, I'll tell you that much, because it's meant for campaign play. It's a niche that I enjoy. I'm not going to make apologies for it. I was about to, but I realized, no. I'm designing the games I like. If you want to design the games I like, here's a system that'll help you do it. <laughs> if you don't want to design the games I like, I don't know, go go make a open license game from 3.5. Mm. Though if you were going to 3.5 to escape having lots and lots of work to do, um, <laughs> that was yeah. a bad choice probably, just for the record. 
if you don't want to make it a big game, then how about check out my other SRD, Carta, which is for there single player, yeah. single player card games. Not hard. It can be hard if you want to make it hard. Some people did, and it's beautiful when they do. But you don't have to. And that's the beauty of working with an SRD. I'm going to go back to Carta system for a minute because some of the Carta games I got were um, La Bette is a dual map game where you actually lay out a whole nother map when you transform into your beastly self. And you have a whole nother set of prompts. It's basically two Carta games folded together. It's gorgeous. Did Merlin do La Bette? Yes, Merlin McGraw was the author of La Bette. And then you had some games like, oh, geez, Courage by my boys at Cat Scratcher Studio is campaign play Carta. Very Legend of Zelda inspired. Every Carta map you do is a dungeon and you do repeated dungeons to gain an advantage against the great evil. Beautiful. Love it. But then you look at um, Avery's The 80th Minute and that's just actually just a line of cards that tells every minute in the final minutes of the final match of a season of soccer. And it's like it's, by the standards of Carta games, very stripped down, very simple. And that's the beauty of an SRD, is that technically, while the author is laying out all the mechanics of the game in front of you, you do not have to eat them all. Or you can eat more of them that don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat what's presented to you and make a game that is the kind of game that the SRD imagines, or you can pick and choose, or you can blend it with something else. Like, you can go absolutely ham in your own way. What really amazed me about the Carta Jam was that I got to see people design games in their own way, in their own style, and I just love it. Yeah, SRDs are the sort of, like, tabletop version of stuff like Unity. Hmm. Yeah. I wish one of us had said that up top. <laughs> That's a very good opening spiel sentence, Nick. Well, they'll have to listen to the full thing to get it then. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Which is just fine by me. And I think Nick and Kathleen will attest that every time there was a new Carta game, I lost my shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You you will absolutely make Cat's Day if you do anything with their SRDs. So please do that. Do it. Make a Carta game. Tell me all about it. Make a Harmony Drive game. You must tell me. I need to put that in the license information, actually. Yeah, that's part of the licensing is is it's, uh, okay, non-attribution, share alike, etc. You must tell Cat about game. You must. Must do is required by license. Listener, especially you, listener. I have my Twitter game design friends, and I love them. They're wonderful people, and I can't wait to see what they do with Harmony Drive, and I hope that they all make games. But you, listener, you you know Heroic Chord. You've listened to Sword of Symphonies. I very much need to hear what you do with this. You're my precious listener. You must tell me. <laughs> you can tell us at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter or 
at the website, peachgardengames.com. We've got emails of all stripes there. Join the Heroic Discord, which is linked in this episode description. Or check us out on the BK Roll Dice Discord. Absolutely. You can not only talk to us, but you can talk to people we've mentioned in this episode, our network friends, who would love to have yeah. you. Yeah. And if you check out our page on peachgardengames.itch.io, you'll be able to see a bunch of other designers' Carta games. You'll also be able to find not only the Carta SRD, you'll be able to see Harmony Drive when it goes live, as well as some graphic design packs I put up to help you with your game. That's our mission, should you choose to accept it, is to make a heroic drive game with using uh, all of the art assets and design assets that Kat has put up. Mm -hmm. They will love you forever if you do that. No, but they really will is the thing. My love is eternal. It's, <laughs> it's earned through two particular directions. One of them is attention, and the other one is making games. <laughs> games plus attention? That's how you get my love. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us, listener. I hope we've given you some food for thought. And we will catch you next time in the cradle. We will. See you later, everybody. Now it's time for my nap. Wah, I'm cranky. Uh, now it's nap time. But join us again next next week when it won't be nap time. And... I was going to end on the Mr. Rogers thing, but I can't remember. So have a good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. There are, in our world, certain places that seem to draw on the strange. Tragic news on this, the first day of school in Chillhaven, as a local teen has been found dead under what authorities are describing as mysterious circumstances. The unusual. So sleeping is difficult because I don't blink, so... Oh my god. The monstrous. <laughs> and then he vomits out his whole skeleton onto his desk. What? And when you were a hip young teen coming of age in one of these locations. So I'm like walking, trying to like subtly unzip my hair out of my backpack. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius. What do they fluctuate, Zeke? Molecules? A burgeoning telekinetic. I think you have telekinetic powers. That's so specific for you to say right now. Um. <laughs> or a social media influencer. And she took a and she took a selfie too, and she put glass their fake glasses. <laughs> Your safety is not guaranteed. Why do I keep being made to look at things that shouldn't be? <laughs> In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High is a real play radiophonic supernatural teen drama. New episodes every Tuesday. Follow us everywhere at Chillhaven High.